Hello, hello, and welcome to the JRO Show. I'm super excited to have Justin here today. He's actually the music director at St. Mary's in Royal Oak. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Justin. Yeah, happy to, happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. For sure. So, Justin, how long have you been the music minister now at St. Mary's? Uh, not that long. I started May 1st, <laughs> 2020. <laughs> right in the middle of the pandemic. Yep. <laughs> Yep, I played my first mass, and there was a total of two humans in the pews. <laughs> it was it was a lot more watching online, obviously, but it was it was weird. So I think that that's kind of like the big elephant in the room. So um, we will kind of talk about the pandemic a little bit. I do want to hear about that, but let's let's talk first before. So yeah. how did you find yourself here at St. Mary's? Uh, it's it's a bit of a winding story. Um, so I was at St. Malik in Sterling Heights for about eight years, and then I left there to go teach and um, teach in the public schools and band and choir and whatnot. And uh, when I left St. Malachy, my wife and I needed a place to go to church because we wanted to give the new music director space. And so we wanted to find a new community. Long story short, we found St. Mary as parishioners first about three, four years ago and kind of fell in love with the community, fell in love with Father Paul, the beautiful space. And, um, and that was it. And then I kind of actually always thought, I used to turn to my wife in the pews and be like, hey, wouldn't this be a dream if this, like, if this position ever opened up and I could be the music director for this community? And um, anyway, fast forward four years later, and it, there we have it. And I fortunately applied and was led, and it just worked out. So. That's awesome. And now you've worked with Awaken too, right? Yep. Yeah, I think we're going on just over two years of being with Awaken. They had a band for about five or five to seven years, and then we're the the next installment. That's awesome. Now, for those who don't know what basic, oh sorry, who don't know what Awaken is, can you kind of enlighten us? Some people may be Catholic, some people may not be. So if you just can kind of imagine, yeah, no idea what is Awaken. Yeah, so it's um, it's a monthly uh, praise and worship event, essentially. Uh, runs about an hour, 90 minutes long, and um, it's primarily geared towards Catholics because it's it focuses around um, a holy hour and Eucharistic adoration, but there's contemporary praise and worship music that go on, um, you know, lights and screens, the whole deal, and it's just an opportunity for people in the metro Detroit area once a month to gather and pray and praise um, in, in a space from all varying communities and walks of life. Yeah, and now, I, and obviously it was like packed. It was always packed. And I'm, I'm curious how the pandemic, yeah. do you know, like, what are they going to do with the pandemic? Well, we haven't had an Awaken event since everything shut down. Right. Um, our first one back actually will be in November. Um, this so November? Or this next November. November. Yeah, wow. so like a month from now. Okay. Um, so we've tried to have a few, and then some parishes were willing to have us, and then watching the numbers as the curve would fluctuate, then some would, you know, say, okay, let's do it. No, let's hold off. And uh, so the first one back is going to be in November. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it still happens. <laughs> hopefully it's packed. They usually are pretty well attended. So uh, we're, uh, we're saying a lot of prayers for that right now. Yeah. yeah what an adventure. Yeah. Let's kind of address this, this elephant. So the pandemic has definitely changed the whole music industry, definitely the whole church, the faith community. So can you touch on like, what, what has that been like? Like obviously becoming a music director now amidst this pandemic and all yeah. this. Yeah, it has, honestly, it's caused me to rethink things. 
and completely approach music ministry from a different different perspective. So obviously, because when you sing the amount of aerosol that's expelled, we're encouraging the congregation not to sing. So I have that big component that's part of a community prayer and praise of the community and the musicians singing together. That whole component has just been ripped out. And so it, figuring out how to still keep people engaged, um, but still being safe about it has been the major challenge in this whole process right now. It's going well, but it's been a challenge. Yeah, that, no, I know that has definitely been a challenge. I know um, at the stage, I lead the five o'clock uh, mass. Yeah. Um, and then also I, I lead a lot of the youth retreats. At least I play, play the music. Cool. Um, we did actually have a, a retreat this past uh this past weekend and it was amazing it was so great to have people together and because it was a small yeah. group we were, we were able to sing and it was like good oh, i've been i've been like longing for this it was great i know we were yeah, like in, just, we were in a gazebo and oh it was great yeah just this past weekend i we were doing the responsorial psalm and i really heard the congregation like sing out for the first time in months and it was so like cathartic in a way and i was like <laughs> oh that's so great yes. <laughs> i haven't heard that sound in so long you know <laughs> but yeah so as far as the musicians go and scheduling the ensembles that has been the real i mean i i believe you got to try to find a blessing or a silver lining in everything and so from that perspective um i've i've been rotating groups in and out every mass and but all small ensembles, like anywhere from a duet to a quartet max. And we're up in the loft so we can really space ourselves out pretty nicely. And, um, and I've got microphones set up where they can keep their distance so that nobody's touching microphones and all that sort of thing. And so, but it's allowed for some really wonderful ensemble collaborations that probably would have never happened um, without the pandemic, as weird as that sounds. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. It's, it's funny how like, it's not like the pandemic has been all bad. Like there have been some blessings that have come out of this and definitely right. thinking in new ways. Like even I think a lot more um, parishes are live streaming their mass. And of right. course it's not ideal. A live stream is not the same as actually going in person. Right. It, it's amazing that you can still connect with people that way. You could still have this community um, using the amazing technology we have. And I, I think that that's only going to advance further over the next year or two as oh, yeah. this just becomes the new norm. It um, should. Yeah. And, and I, th I really think like as people of faith, as musicians, I think we ought to be on the front end of, of that is looking to innovate and using technology as a tool to utilize, yeah. to, to engage people. Yep. Um, so no, it's awesome. And I know I'm, I'm a little bit like nervous. So uh, this past, um, over the whole summer, we've been having outdoor mass for the five okay. mass. And now this, this week coming up, we're doing an indoor mass. Now I have, okay. I have done a few weddings, you know, in yeah. between, um, and those were obviously indoor, but yep. it's going to be interesting now transitioning everything back inside. Yeah, no doubt. Masses and uh. <laughs> it'll feel weird. We've been doing indoor masses since we came back in May and um, you know, they've, they were weird. I mean, they're still weird to a point, but Everybody has respected the guidelines. They've respected each other and each other's personal space. And, um, and it, it's, it's, it's been great. People have been handling it really, really well. Yeah, that's awesome. And definitely, I'm definitely, I think everyone is excited to navigate through this next, um, 
period of time. But yeah. that's what I want to talk about. I want, let's talk about the music specifically. So what I love about yeah. series and where I look and specifically Father Paul's vision is he really wanted to have yeah. a mixture of music of old and music of today, meaning I think so right. often a lot of Catholic churches are like, oh, we all need to have the praise and worship music. And don't get me wrong, right. I love that stuff. Obviously, I play a lot of that music. Right. It's very easy for us to forget about the ancient music from hundreds yeah. of years ago. And oh, I think yeah. Father Paul really wanted to incorporate that, the music of our history, our heritage. So can you yes. touch on that? Like, what, what is your vision for the music at St. Mary's and how do you go about implementing that on a weekly basis? So, okay, wow, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, because every, every, I'd say, you know, one weekend's worth of music is, I mean, it's a couple business days worth of time and energy just from the, the first time you crack open, crack open the missile and find out what the readings are going to be to the point where you finally click send to all the volunteers and whatnot. It's quite a process, but my vision is to try to incorporate and encompass the, in kind of like what you already said, the entire width and breadth of liturgical music from chant through the classical period, Baroque period, romantic, um, acapella, instrumental music, um, organ and piano to, you know, the, I call them like the greatest hits of Catholic 70s and 80s music, you know, and, and 90s with Haugen and Laurie True and Gene Cotter, and then all the way up to prison worship and contemporary stuff. So I try to incorporate all of it because I think if you use it properly, if it's placed well within the liturgy and you really think about, okay, what does the text say in this particular piece? Why am I putting it here in the mass? How am I going to present it? You know, just because maybe the original recording you know, for example, like Alive by um, Hillsong, Young and Free, I think, right? Mm -hmm. So like the original of that is really hype with a lot of synth and certain situations you could do that, but maybe in a mass setting, you got to go more acoustic route, you know? Mm -hmm. So trying to figure out how you're going to package it for the congregation to make sure that no matter what you do, you're bringing them into a deeper place of prayer. And, you, and you're not getting in the way of that. You're just help facilitating that. Yeah. So in every mass, there's usually some, some form of chant. There's some form of instrumental music that gets worked in. There's usually a praise and worship tune or two that gets worked in. Some hymnody, like on the organ with descants and interludes and that, and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, my whole approach is facilitating prayer. And I think you can do that through any genre if it's done intentionally. Yeah, and I agree with that 100%. I think that sometimes there are people, and that's, it's fine, but some people tend to overemphasize like, oh, this is the best or the only genre that's really right. actually worthy of worship. And I right. think it's actually really educational and pretty radical to be able to say, no, we can actually take the whole width, the whole breadth of oh, yeah. you know, music across um, the centuries and we yep. can put it together in a cohesive way. Right. Um, and I think as it pertains to worship music, I think people don't really think like, I think people, like a lot of people just think it's just like a jukebox. You just push a button and then the music comes out. Yeah. And, and it's definitely not like that. And especially singing for worship is also very different than singing for a concert. Oh um, yeah. 
because what you're doing, especially in the liturgy, is the music, it's almost like a movie, like you're a soundtrack. You're accompanying yeah. the action. Yeah. And, and also when you're singing or canter, now obviously it's different in the pandemic, but generally speaking, right. you're singing with the purpose of people joining in and joining you. Yep. Right. So I'm not going to be singing and adding all these extra runs or things right. that are distracting. I mean, right. that might be great if it's a solo and I'm singing Ave Maria. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I'm singing a worship song with the purpose of people singing with me, I'm going to keep it simple and accessible. And I might right. sometimes crescendo or decrescendo so people can kind of come in and sing. Now, obviously, we've had to adjust a little bit with um, given that people aren't technically supposed to sing. Right. But I mean, right. I think even still, we still want to be able to be singing in a way that invites people to worship. Uh, and like you said, you like it's no exactly doubt. right. The, the singing and the music ought to lead people in worship. It should. Um, and sometimes that's like very upbeat, getting people excited. Sometimes that's leading people towards a place of quiet solitude. Right. Yep. Yeah. 1000%. And so maybe it's something as simple as just finding a bridge of a song, you know? So like um, <clears throat> we've done, for example, a few weeks ago for communion, we did here I am Lord you know, which has been around for, for a Forever. while, right? Yeah. Um, and that's something that's very comfortable to, to the vast majority of congregations. Um, but then after that was done, we went right into the bridge of um, Christ is Enough, which is a very modern praise and worship tune. And so for me, textually, that made a lot of sense. The whole song of Here I Am is, you know, I am here if you call me. I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to, to do your will. And then the bridge of Christ is enough goes, um, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Well, so textually that works. And it's a simple refrain. It's only four bars that just keeps repeating over and over again. And the keys match, the tempos match. And so you go from one right into the other. And before long, the congregation, like it becomes this modern taze repeated, you know, repeated refrain. That's awesome. So, so yeah, so that's one example where I've mixed old with new, but in a way where, it, you know, people, people were singing. So it was that's pretty cool. awesome. Yeah. Now, I think an important part of this is Catholics call it catechesis, but you know, I would mm -hmm. just call it like teaching. Um, People, a lot of people are not used to singing all the various types of church music, right? Like some right. people are really into praise and worship. Some people are yep. really into the organ music. So like yep. you're having to deal with the fact that people don't know this music. So right. my question for you is how do you think, how can, well, music directors, like how can music directors, how can musicians and how can congregations learn um this vast repertoire of music or how would you even start because like when you think about the whole breath we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years of music that just yeah overwhelming yeah where do you start <laughs> well uh, I, think, <laughs> I think you start with um you have to start by knowing your community first so and knowing what their knowledge is what their comfort level is what they want to be exposed to you know, I mean, I think you can always push everybody's boundaries and, and expand their, you know, their comfort level, but you got to know your community first. So like in my last parish, 
um, like a mix of the what I had just communicated probably wouldn't have worked very well because praise and worship music was just so new to that community, you know. Um, so you got to know your community first. Then I'd say you also have to realize that even if you're in the same position for 30 years, you're you're never going to cover everything. There's just so much music out there. There's so many centuries of just quality rep that you're not going to be able to hit everything. So don't try to squeeze as much music and as much content into every single week as possible. Like less is more as the saying goes in a lot of cases. So, so I'd start with those two things. And then if you're trying to introduce new genres, just go by little snippets. So for chant, for example, um, if we want to do the intro, the intro chant, which is the chant, uh, you know, at the beginning of mass, I might just do the refrain and I might omit the verses for, for that particular week and just do the refrain, which is only 20 seconds. Right. Um, I might accompany it loosely with some more contemporary minded chords. So that gives like a little bit of a harmonic familiarity to the congregation but the melody and the, and the beat, the structure is all chant-like to a true to its original form. And then I go into, seamlessly go into an opening hymn that is very known, very comfortable, you know. Um, so little bits and pieces first and realizing it's going to take time to cover things. Don't try to conquer Rome in a day, you know. Yes. No. And I love, I love that approach. Cause I, I found the same to be true that if you just rush the process, like the last thing you want as a music yeah. director is people's faces to be glazed over to not yep. know what's going on. And, yep. and, and I'm a hundred percent with you like so much, cause I've done a lot of, you know, work with the archdiocese and playing at other churches as well. And I find like you de definitely have to get like a pulse for, yeah. Like, Oh yeah. What's appropriate in this church? Cause yeah, some yep. people can, can handle praise and worship music. Some people cannot. Some, right. some parishes like just like to play stuff from the sixties and seventies. Yep. Some right. parishes, you know, are, it's all organ music and it's yep. all like 17th century. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's so, true. So how did you, how do you get a sense for the pulse of a community or parish? How do you, do, do you talk to people? Do you just talk to the priest or how do you get that, that feel? Yeah. It's so it's a, it's a mix of a lot of things. It is, well, first, before I go into that, like, I think no matter what community is, what they're used to, even if it's a church that does only organ music and only choral stuff or only the opposite, in my experience, every community, and there's always people in each community that want to hear something else, maybe not exclusively, but they're, most people are willing to broaden their horizons. If, um, if it's given in a, an appropriate way, if it's not like just thrust on them so quickly, you know? Right. Um, so as far as getting to know the community, yeah, it's definitely getting a feel for what, what the pastor is like, what, where their, where their flavor is and what they, where they've been leading the people. It's talking to the parishioners themselves and getting a sense of, okay, what did my predecessor do? You know, what, what have they heard in the pews for the last three decades, you know, or whatever. Um, talking with the music volunteers that are already there at the parish. And so I make all my music volunteers, uh, new or old, fill out just a Google form that tells me, you know, basic contact information, but then what's their musical experience level? What do they do musically outside of the church? What do they want to do? What do they like? And so by just filling that out, I get a sense of what their skills are and what they want to do. Um, 
And then I just kind of take all that information and just, you know, hone it down, put it in a, put it in a mixing bowl and then something comes out the other side, you know? Um, but I've noticed that if, if something is presented with quality, um, you can usually get away with almost any, you know, like the, the genre matters less as long as it's presented well. Oh my gosh. I a hundred percent agree. I, and I feel like so, yeah. so many, so many people in the church are just in general, like, Oh no, you got to play this. You got to do this. You got to do this genre. And I, I completely disagree. Cause like you said, mm -hmm. it's like, if you bring praise and worship to your church and it's, awful or it's lackluster or it's not right. sung by people who can't really sing it's going to be terrible right and if you sing right. ch chant music and it's just not executed well but right. by, by the flip side it if the genre is executed well it's amazing yeah. how well it, it can engage people oh my goodness yeah and even like on the praise and worship side i think there's a lot of folks who uh, fear away from it because you watch the youtube videos or you watch something that's happening in like uh, another maybe non-denominational church and it's so hype and so amped and there's glitz and there's glamour, right? And you go, okay, well, I can't do that. I can't do that in the mass. Go, no, but you don't have to do it that way either. You know what I mean? Like there's different ways you can package the same song um, and, and it'll still give you that same contemporary vibe. It'll still put you in this deep place of prayer. It'll still be very modern and fulfilling, but it's just not like you're at a rock concert. You know? Right. And I think you have to know, know the, the proper place. Because I think generally right. speaking, the mass is more solemn than a rock right. concert. Right. I mean, even Awaken, generally speaking, there's more yeah. time. Like you can go, you can rock out more during Awaken than like right. the mass. Right. Um, and we do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So I think, I think it's just like knowing the, the proper context. Like again, yeah. if, you, if you're at a funeral, there are particular things that are appropriate and things that are not appropriate during a funeral. Right. Yeah, and no so, doubt. Not, not that the mass is always a funeral. Um, right, no, <laughs> it, is a it is a happy occasion. <laughs> right, but it's, yeah. it's definitely more solemn in nature. Right, um, it is. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's where some people make a misstep is that they're like, oh, we got to do praise and worship. Okay, so then they do something like lay me down for communion. Like, okay, well, that, that doesn't. It's not going to work. That, that's that's going to turn people off. That's when you're going to get your congregation to go, what are we doing all this? You know, what, why are we doing this? We don't need to be doing this, you know. But if you if you do that as the closing hymn, it's well, yeah. a completely different story now, you know. Yeah, no, I think a lot of it's it's the context. And again, I, yeah. I think it comes back to like if you think of the mass like this amazing, awesome, epic movie, yeah. you want to have music in a soundtrack that goes alongside. Like if there's yes. this big epic moment and you have this really depressing slow music, it's like what's going on? And by the same token, right. if, you, if you have a very serious moment and yeah. that like it's, it's supposed to be solemn. And then there's right. just these giant trumpets yeah. playing. It's like, dude. Yep. Yeah, I know. I know. And that's it. So for me, the mass in terms of its energy level is kind of like on this like upside down bell curve where like it comes in here and then it just, it dips us down into the most like more introverted and introspective and just deep place of prayer. And then right at the end, it just shoots up with energy level. So no matter what I'm picking, no matter what the song is, I'm thinking, how will it be presented? And does it fit on this general energy curve, bell curve, basically, you know? Yeah, I'm 100% I'm with you. And, and man, I, I, I love seeing two of the community of music directors. I don't, 
I, I th believe you're on, we have that Facebook group for, yeah. you know, in Metro Detroit, which is really cool. Cause yeah. it's like, you know, being a music director is a very unique niche type of thing. And it's great yeah. to have a community. And, and for any musician, whether you're a music director or anything, I, I highly recommend being part of some type of musical community with people who are like-minded. Cause it's like, it's amazing how much I learn from other music directors. Right. Uh, just from talking to them, seeing what they, they post, watching yeah. videos, and it, it's super inspiring. It is on all sides and in, in all genres, you know, and it's it's great because we can so easily just end up getting holed up in our own office and our weekly goings about. And, you know, if we don't take that time to branch out, you know, we're doing ourselves and our communities a disservice. Awesome. So last question. Um, so again, as you know, I own a music school teaching music and many people of various different skill levels. So if someone was wanting to learn music, whether it's worship music or pop music or classical, what do you think they should do to start? Like, how should you start if you want to be a musician? You want to learn how to get better? You got to listen. You got to listen to music. Like that's, that's where you have to start. You have to know what you're shooting for, you know? Um, so if you want to do praise and worship piano, then listen to a lot of recordings and watch a lot of recordings of worship musicians playing piano. What does that look like? What is, you know, how thick is the texture? How thin is the texture? What types of things are they playing? You know, um, obviously, you know, there's the theory side of it. So if you don't know any music theory at all, getting yourself hooked up with a private lessons teacher, there's a lot of YouTube recordings that can give you the basic music theory to understand of what's going on, you know. Um, but I think first and foremost, I tell my private students that you have to, you have to listen to music. You have to know the sound that you're trying to recreate. And then once you can do that, or you know what you're shooting for, then over time, you start to branch out and then you create your own space and your own sound and, and kind of take the information that you've absorbed and make it your own. So. Yes. No, I a hundred percent agree. I, I think that the listening is, is really important. And, and from that listening, I find that the more clear someone can be on what they want, the, the better. Like for example, right. I have a student who, who came, his name is John. He's, he came on day one. He's like, Hey, I want to be able to play. Now he, he had never played guitar before. He's like, I want to okay. be able to, to play 50 songs within three months. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, that's a great goal. Yeah. Right. Um, that, that might be a little bit of a stretch. Right. Yeah. But, but you know, it might, but it's specific, longer, but it's specific. So, you know, so what happened is we had this vision. So his reality was I, I can't play guitar. Then he has this vision. I want to play 50 songs. And then yeah. we worked through the logistics of, okay, let, let's make a list of some of these songs that you want to learn. And then we yeah. were able to reverse engineer, break them down. Well, what are the chords? What's the music structure? Right now. And then as he started seeing the logistics, he's like, okay, this is going to take longer than three months. So, right. But now a year and a half later, after starting lessons, he just learned his 50th song and he's playing Cool. And singing, you know, and so I think it's really cool. My, my students who make the most progress are definitely the ones who are the clearest on what they want. I have, you know, I have another yeah. student, Todd, um, and he's very much into classical piano and he mm -hmm. loves playing like Chopin and Liszt and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. again, he, he started, never played piano in his life. Okay. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. Right. And now three years later, he's gone from being a student to now he's actually a teacher at my school teaching piano. And like cool. his ability to play classical piano is like mind blowing. That's great. But, 
it's not because I'm so great as a teacher. It's because he knew exactly what he wanted. Right. And so I was then able to facilitate that and help point him in the right direction. Right. And I think that like for any student who wants to learn, the clearer you can get, the better. Yep. And he listens. He listens. Just like you said, he listens to a ton of classical music Good. and that helped him. So Good. anyway, I 100% agree. But thank you so much, Justin, for coming on today. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, no problem. Happy to do it. Awesome, awesome. And for anyone who is listening, if you are already a student of mine, you are fantastic. Thank you so much. If you are looking to get music lessons, you can go to jropro.com. That's jropro.com for a free assessment. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Jro Podcast. Please leave a five-star review because you are awesome. Thank you again and... Please leave a five-star review.